This episode of Crow Talk contains discussion related to sexual violence and abortion. We hope you'll stick it out with us. Crow Talk. Crow Talk. Crow Talk. Film Squawk. Never, rarely, sometimes, always. Written and directed by Eliza Hitman, 2020. When 17-year-old Autumn becomes pregnant, she must travel from small-town Pennsylvania to New York City to access comprehensive medical care. Whether you're new to Crow Talk or a seasoned listener, you're joining us during a singular time in 21st century history. As you're critically aware, coronavirus has rerouted normal life, tipping everything expected on its head. This podcast is no exception. Instead of recording Season 3 episodes from our studio at Western Washington University, we will be podcasting from our couches and remote workstations. We will use headphones with tiny microphones as dogs bark outside and our partners quietly bring us tea. Just as the quality of our production must shift, so has the dynamic of film viewing. So, welcome to our Season 3 series, Streaming in the Time of COVID, where we will reflect on the experience of viewing, share yays and nays, squawk our opinions, and consider takeaways. Things we want to remember moving forward about this film, or film in general. As we sit down to record... It is just a few days before January 22nd, which will be the 48th anniversary of Roe v. Wade. And so we wanted to really pay homage to this landmark case, this landmark decision, by reviewing a film that we could dig into a little bit. So let's dive right in and discuss yays and nays for Eliza Hittman's third feature film, Never, rarely, sometimes, always. You should go watch this film if you want to see a demystified view of the American reproductive health system. My A is similar to Stacy's. It's the subject matter. I think we need to see more stories like this, especially depicted in such a realistic way. And from a craft point of view, I consider this film almost the perfect depiction of what I've come to think of as the quiet of survival, specifically cultivated in the characterization of Autumn and Skylar, the two main leads in this film. So much of their daily survival is accomplished in silence, in in a torment that's kept inside, that is expressed in on their faces, uh, in their bodies, in how they navigate their relationships silently. And I just, I found it to be profound and a film we can return to, to continue to learn, uh, to learn from. On the other hand, a nay for me in this film would be that it's definitely a trigger worthy film as you get deeper into the film, specifically around the title, uh, never, rarely, sometimes, always. And once you come to understand what that what it means to this film. Those of you who've seen the film know the scene that I'm talking about. And I am a huge advocate for showing truth in film. So that it's a trigger, a trigger warning type film isn't necessarily a nay, but it it has to be put out there for those viewers who need a warning uh, because the content that is explored, that is expressed, it, it runs the gamut of abuse. So that is worth noting. I have the same nay. It is triggering um, that scene in particular, and just the whole film is a sensitive topic. There's a couple other scenes that I'm sure we'll dive into that just devastated me. So I think that's good to know going into it. I think everyone should watch it, but know that 
it's it's very heavy material. Well, everybody brace yourself for a very original nay from me. It's the subject matter, same as my yay, because it can be triggering. For me, that heightened anxiety definitely hit in certain scenes, but I feel like the whole film embodied that. And the whole time I felt devastated for these girls and devastated for any women that don't have support. And there's like so many tiers of support that we're lacking here. And then some really beautiful support too that we'll come back to. And I will say the part in the film about never rarely, sometimes and always was the most powerful moment of mentioning, of speaking the title that I've ever witnessed in film. I think I was like, that seems really hard to hold. And as a filmmaker, really exquisite. Especially since when you hear it, it felt like you should have known. And maybe some of you did, listeners and either of you, but I didn't. But as it was happening, I said to myself, what a what a surprise. I felt the exact same way. I wasn't expecting it to come around. I don't know why I wasn't, but I just, it's like giving me goosebumps thinking about it even now. I knew going in, and I don't know why, I think it might be because our bodies are doctors. For mm. the art I did for that, I did a checkbox of like, yes, no, mm-hmm. maybe. And so when I saw that and I understood the context of the film, I was like, oh, I see what you're doing here. And I didn't even draw that parallel between the films. That's a really great film to watch. Those of you that are listening, Our Bodies Are Doctors. It's an indie film out of the Pacific Northwest area, uh, really illuminating and women, really important for you to watch. It really gives some different insight than I've seen in other media into the world of abortion and women's reproductive health. We podcasted about Our Bodies, Our Doctors, directed by Haken in 2019. And so we'll link that uh, on the main the main page for this podcast. So you're able to navigate back to that podcast from season two. But I definitely was thankful that that was a part of my filmic history going into this fictional film because I felt really prepared to compare the different clinic experiences because of the different clinics that we are exposed to and navigate in Haken's film, uh, Our Bodies, Our Doctors. And that's something that even though we learned about the strict security, even though we learned about different types of language that they prefer to use um, related to the work that they do in these clinics, even though we we came to understand uh, how far women have to travel sometimes to get uh, health care, it felt new to me watching it in this fictional portrayal. Yeah, the narrative just invokes so much empathy, which isn't not not to say empathy is not present watching a documentary, but when you're like with a character for the whole ride. I thought this film was really interesting, too, that the story arc was so tiny, Mm -hmm. like it was over like 48 hours, you know, it was like the smallest amount of time. And you were really like with the girls the whole time, you know, it wasn't like sensationalized in any regard and I feel like the only cutouts or the only edits of footage that were edited out of the film were like just increments of time passing in between 
everything else that it depicts, you know, it just really depicted in detail this journey from start to finish for these two girls. And I think that for me, like, cause they catch you at the beginning, you know, it's a real, again, such a small story arc, but taking that ride with them and having it be at the pacing it was at too. I think that was it for me that really let me like sink into those two characters and empathize hard with them. And just like, you know, you're just like there with them on the journey is how I felt as a viewer. And I was scared for them at night. You know, I like felt all of the emotions that they would have felt as, as actual people you could imagine, you know, I could only imagine, but you know, I feel like I was on that emotional roller coaster with them the whole time too. I think that's why I think the subject matter as a whole, the whole journey is triggering because it's always, there's fear there the whole time. At times I felt like I was another family member just standing with them something about the way it was shot. I just felt so present with them in a way that's tough to articulate, but something that you said, Cassidy, just triggered that for me. I felt so connected to those characters because in whether, I mean, we, I personally have not gone through that particular experience, but I do know what it's like to go into Planned Parenthood and to, I don't know, just the feeling of, of going into those places, which has always been a positive experience, but it is still kind of weird. It's isolating and it feels so removed from the rest of the rest of the world. So there's something about the way that Hitman captured the whole experience that felt very familiar and real for me and my experience dealing with this particular area of healthcare. I feel like, too, this story is a whole story about women taking care of one another. Like, that, to me, was the bottom line. Not to say that there can't be men in women's reproductive health care. That's amazing. But, like, what you just said, Stace, they've never had invasive annual exam. You know, you know the fact that her female cousin comes with her and that they're, like, they're in it together. Even the, the way that the doctor, uh, the intake woman at the, at the clinic spoke with her and I don't know I was just really blown away with the element of the film and women taking care of each other and maybe Stace that's why you felt kind of like a family member because it like it like made me want to take care of the two girls too so I was like oh we all have to look after each other because we all understand because we all have radio listeners vaginas that we've had previous experience learning about the complexities of this process of trying to obtain abortion care when you live in a small city and the closest clinic that offers that type of reproductive care and health uh, for women is in the next state or multiple states over. Even though we had the background and been exposed to it before, that it unfolded slowly for us in this fictionalized narrative was what made me feel like it was lived in because it ended up becoming an unexpected road movie. It ended up being this road trip that evolved and kept going and kept going. But unlike most road trip films that are full of adventure and excitement and new experiences that other people are excited for you to have, this was like one long, drawn-out dentist appointment but it's worse <laughs> because the world doesn't recognize the hurt and the pain and, and the stress and the anxiety and the trouble, emotional, spiritual for some people, physically, 
that people have to undergo just to get basic health care. That was what made it feel so lived in for me is, is because of how it stretched out unexpectedly for the audience member along with it stretching out unexpectedly for both Autumn and Skylar. Were you two both like really nervous that things were going to get worse for them the whole time? Like that yes. things were going to go a lot worse than they did? Yeah, I felt that too. And then at the end of it, like, yeah, they just so embodied something that felt real, like a real journey where you're like, oh my God, they have to sleep at the bus station overnight. Like, and, and that guy is involved and you're like, is an assault about to, you know, and, and thank God nothing terrible happens to them. But just that like, again, it's Hitman creating, yeah, just such a realistic, I think, story arc and timeline that you're just so drawn into it and present in it that you're grappling with that fear the whole time with those girls. She's playing on fears that are real, that we navigate all the time. Like this is the world that we live in. And we grew up in an environment where we are prey. <laughs> we, mm-hmm. you know, we, we live in a toxic masculine wasteland mm-hmm. and, you know, maybe that is hyperbole, but not really. It's, it's just how it is. And so it's just that all of that anxiety that it dredges up, it's because it's just true. It's what girls, particularly young women, have to navigate without any sort of guidance. And then at the, the moment where it's gone too far, where they're already in such trouble, they get a counselor. <laughs> There's no preventative mental health, Mm-mm. you know, that's associated with these bodies that right. we are walking around with. So it's just, it's all so real. I appreciated so much how Hitman used these experiences, the daily experiences that we navigate with our two leads prior to the trip beginning, the trip to New York, and how we're encountering Autumn's family life and the language that her dad or stepdad or mom's boyfriend never really understood that relationship, even just uses toward the dog and the slut language that he uses and how she likes it. It's okay. She likes it. And how they navigate the the man through the checkout counter who's hitting on Skylar. He's like in his, he's like a middle-aged man and she's obviously underage and the way she has to navigate it and the way that Autumn looks back at her to give her support, this silent support just with a look, how that man grabs their hand when they, in the receiving office and where they take the money for the grocery store, how they have to endure this person like molesting their hand, you know, and then we move on and and we see this supposedly innocent guy on the bus who you know, freaked me right out. The well, whole yeah, time. I was waiting for it to be even worse. And that is what I think is so genius about this is that why isn't all of this worse enough? Because it's already terrible. And for Skylar to have to make out with him, you know, in order, you know, she was doing that to take care of her cousin. That wasn't because she was like excited to see him again or anything, you know, again, like, I like what you said, the silent struggle, Rochelle. And then it's also this silent, like, women taking care of women kind of a thing. And I don't know why I was so impacted by, like, the doctor that was doing the never, rarely, sometimes, always intake with her. Um, Well, and that was not an actor. That's an actual counselor that they brought on to walk her through this scene. Wow. Wow, 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 wow. Her her name's Kelly Chapman, and she, yeah, she was not an actor. That's ingenious to do. That is ingenious move. Mm -hmm. It really wow. is. 
So I think that was one aspect that really, really stood out to me is just this reminder that we don't, we still don't take seriously enough, especially when it comes to arcs and stories and what we've come to learn about danger and storytelling. We don't take what women endure on the daily seriously enough. We're always waiting for someone to get murdered or someone to get explicitly raped for it to be the the climax. But, you know, this director had us at the pinnacle of constant abuse that women endure every single day by having to say that they're sorry because they don't want to give their phone number away or because they don't, they say no, and then they have to say sorry. It's just, it, that should be enough, but it's still not. And it completely parallels the way we treat and the way we misunderstand full, complex women's medical care. Yeah, it's just like an assault on an assault for women a lot of time because it's not enough for like a young girl, even if it wasn't, we're not sure with Autumn, if it was a rape or if it was a consensual situation that it made it very unclear but it's like not only did she have to deal with that as a young person without a supportive family, you know, with no one to go to with it. But then on top of it, she is accosted by the American medical system and really just like put through a meat grinder with it. You know, the fact that a young person has to travel out of state by themselves, pay out of pocket so their parents don't find out because of whatever their parents' beliefs were, you know, but it's like we have the system that is designed not to take care of women. Like I feel the same way about investigating rape cases. You know, it's like a woman goes through a sexual assault. It's terrifying. A lot of the times, the way in which the police handle it is another like assault on the woman, essentially. Not to mention if they have to like go into a legal battle or whatever. So it's just, I mean, even the fact I'm really hand talking right now. I'm getting really heated. But even the fact that abortion clinics are lone standing buildings that allow for people to go outside and pick it in front of, I don't care what your belief is, go and pick it. That's fine. But like, what if it was at a hospital just as part of the hospital? And so there's no like picketing. And, you know, if you, our bodies are doctors, there's less danger, I'm sure for the physicians working in that sector. It just blows my mind what we're still doing. It's just like, yeah, it's like assault on assault on assault on assault, even just trying to keep our bodies healthy. It would never happen in Bellingham because St. Joseph's is Catholic. It's a Catholic-run hospital. So that will never happen. Well, and here at Planned Parenthood, there's picketers. So if there's a young person that has to go in to like take their own female care into their own hands, that's just another scary thing for a young person to face not saying the picketers are going to hurt them or, or violent or anything, but that's scary energy that you're already going in to face pregnancy without familial support. It's just so heartbreaking. It like really does just make me want to cry. I almost cried when you told me that that was an actual counselor in the film. Well, and the negligence, ineptitude, the agenda of the original clinic in this film got me Oh my hot. gosh. I was hot. Oh my gosh. If a medical practitioner has a moral agenda that they are forcing on an independent individual, they are not doing their job. And that happens all the time. Again, like 
I can't stress enough how good of a companion piece our bodies, our doctors are to this film because they talk about that too, about, you know, just there's so many steps that they make the girls go through before they even allow them to, it's like, okay, we'll schedule your abortion, but first watch this video, read this pamphlet, talk to this counselor, do, and it, and it's all an attempt to convince them to keep the child. It's not so heavy handed or like in your face as I don't think it was heavy handed in this film, but it wasn't. It's not always, I think, so obvious as far as like. Like the propaganda film that the original clinic has Autumn watch. And it's it's hard because these propaganda films are not scientific fact. They're based on a mishmash of different types of pregnancy, different stages in pregnancy, and they do not always depict the truth. And so that can be really difficult and would be very confusing, especially for a young person, but for anyone who doesn't know. I mean, I just had hand surgery and, you know, I accidentally called the front of my hand, the back of my hand, you know, like I, we should know these things. They're, they seem straightforward. I can't imagine knowing about everything that's going on inside me internally. That's why we have doctors. But if they misinform us and if they have an agenda that they're pushing based on their belief system, then they are not there for the patient. They're there for themselves. And that is just, it's so disheartening and it feels like just another form of assault. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I'm pissed now. <laughs> Going back to something that you were saying, Cassidy, when we were talking about the, the counselor who provided the checklist, the question checklist, uh, that ended up being one of the more triggering scenes. Something I kept thinking about, probably from that point on, And then we see a little snap of it or we saw a little snap of it in the background on the wall in graffiti is the the concept of love child. And it was so quick and it it just, man, it sparked something for me. Like, what the hell is a love child anyway? You know, because it's always in the past been in reference to a child that is conceived outside of society's uh, approved boundaries, that marital relationship. And that nuance that Hitman imbues this never rarely sometimes always seen. We don't know if this fetus is the result of, of rape. We don't know if it was consensual. We know she has had horrible experiences in the past. She has been assaulted. She has been raped. But we don't really know what her circumstance is at this point. This would be considered a love child and that disgusts me. It disgusts me how frequently I'm I'm now realizing we've we've attributed this phrase, this colloquialism to assault potentially assault on women and and what they've had to navigate and endure. I wonder if a man or a woman came up with that term. <laughs> I don't know. It's just it it stuck out to me. You were nodding, Stacy, so I think maybe you saw the the graffiti too, but I saw it too, and the placement of it, he was right above her. It's when they go to the arcade, and it's on the wall as she walks in, and it's right in frame with Autumn's face. Mm -hmm. I also found it disturbing and ironic. Mm -hmm. And that's the expression of society there, the graffiti, you know? So these are terms that we're given. And so to give a situation like this where we don't know the circumstances, but we know what led up to this situation, potentially, we know that she's 
been, we know that this character has endured some pretty significant abuse. And so then to frame it in this way, completely again, erases the trauma of the whole experience from the beginning to the end where you're getting hopefully some sort of physical and mental health care. This is such a side note, but I think it's worth mentioning that Sydney Flanagan, maybe both of you already are aware of this, but she is relatively unknown. She's like an unknown actor, but she's a musician. That's so cool. I figured that was the case just because I really enjoyed her voice. I thought it was so beautiful. At first, I wouldn't have thought that in the opening scene. I wouldn't have thought she was a musician. Yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. And I appreciated that these both of the actresses were lesser known. I mean, unknown, really. Yeah. I mean, Talia Ryder, who plays Skylar, she will be in Spielberg's West Side Story this year. Uh, mm-hmm. But otherwise, they really, they really haven't done very much. I found the song, the cover for The Exciters, He's Got the Power, uh, that Autumn performs at, oh, I love the song. I can't get it out of my head. Her rendition, the ballad that she turns it into. Ugh, I mean, it's in- intoxicating for me. I love it. It's I love Hate It because it, it's super, it carries through because what ended up happening as she sang the song, the entire movement and the performance of the song completely illustrated uh, the unfolding of her characterization in the film for me. She starts the song. She's nervous, but she's persevering. She's doing it. She gets jeered at, then silence, and then she starts again, and she finishes. And to me, that was just such a beautiful foreshadowing for what we were going to see her do through to the end of this film. Uh, The idea that she continues to persevere, but she always takes that moment to think. She has these contemplative, silent modes that she goes into and then she answers or then she acts and I just I found it to be a really nice little teaser at the beginning uh, that I that yeah I appreciated so much I mean these girls are so resourceful they're so resilient they are so strong they're not 18 Mm -mm. figured out how to get themselves to New York and spend two nights in New York Mm -hmm. and get this procedure and and managing the world around them that wants their bodies. Oh, that's a good statement right there, Stace. Wants their bodies. Wow. That is, at I mean, that encapsulates moment. everything. At every moment. The regulations that the government wants to put on healthcare that women can seek out for their bodies. Men constantly, constantly treating them like they owe them something. People with certain beliefs. Mm-hmm. That are swaying her the whole time, too, or trying to. To have a say over her decision. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was great, Stacy. I was so blown away by Sydney Flanagan. I read somewhere that there could be Oscar buzz around her performance. Really? I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised. I, I think that that would be really well, well won. I recently finished a book. Uh, that has been remade a couple times now or adapted for film. And the book is quiet and the book is intense in its silence. And these filmic adaptations lose it completely. They make it super extroverted and loud and gaudy and, and they lose the, the entire torment of this 
almost like gothic thriller because they fill it with words and 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 you know expression and all sorts of unnecessary noise and I just can't say enough how I appreciated uh, the way that lack of words was used. There are no words left. There are no more words for this stuff. It's all been said. So now we just have to show it and hope people are willing to watch, like really see how it doesn't matter if why she wants to have an abortion. All that matters is that she wants to and it's her right. That's all that matters. We don't need to sell it and she doesn't need to give you a bunch of reasons. That was beautiful, yeah. And it was all, I mean, obviously Hitman wrote it, directed it, gorgeous. But Sydney Flanagan, yeah, Stacey, I'm with you. Such, such a strong performance, only made stronger by Talia Ryder. Yeah, I feel like for me, both of them were just equally, because they were so understated, Mm -hmm. their performances, you know, really subtle. But they they acted as though they had been working together for a decade. Oh, yeah, it was so believable. And the, like, dynamic of just, like, the, like, silent family support kind of thing, too. Like, it doesn't matter. This sucks. I'm not excited to be here, but I'm here. I'm your family. I'm not going anywhere. Like, that communication that never Mm -hmm. had to be said aloud and so apparent the whole time especially from two young women who are still learning to know themselves having that strength in commitment and forgiveness we get to see autumn be human and we get to see skylar be unconditional it's very beautiful i also really dug into the symbolism of the suitcase at first i was like why the hell did they pack a suitcase why did they bring all of these these items if they didn't expect to stay the night? If they thought they were turning around and coming right back, especially like a full-size suitcase. She had a backpack. Like they had room to bring a few things, but they packed a full suitcase and then they lugged the suitcase <laughs> with them everywhere. Everywhere. It breaks. They and keep carrying it. Somehow. Yeah, yeah. And then they put it back in and it, they have to like make it work. But yeah, they... It's not like anyone saw them leave. I don't know what... I thought to myself, maybe it's because they're trying to sell the fact that they were going there on a trip because they're underage. But that never came about. It was like this suitcase meant something else. And I was just curious if either of you had any thoughts about that. The things we carry. Just walking around the street. It's a heavy load. I totally felt that as well. Yeah, I felt it too. It was like, for me, I guess I felt like it was more the heaviness of the burden of like that they had to go and do this trip. You know, it was just like, like, I felt so relieved when she falls asleep on the bus at the end. I was like ready for a nap. The suitcase works on whatever level you want to look at it. The, how stressful the trip is and the enormity of the decision that Autumn is making. Everything. It works as a symbol to the extra work that women are expected to do every day and be quiet (laughs) about that absolutely hit for me. And it's also, I think it could even be illuminating to how young they are. They're so young, you know? And so like you just said, they pack this huge suitcase for what they think is going to be an in and out situation. 
Right. You know, maybe they only have one suitcase and they're just these young girls who are like having to make a, a decision oh. right then, you know, they're like, let's go. Like Autumn is realizing that Skylar is like here when she starts taking the money out of yep. the till. And that's when Autumn immediately. realizes immediately. Okay. This is happening. I'm getting chills as I say it, because again, it's that, that quiet understanding. So it was such a, a fast decision things evolved so quickly and that was that was the suitcase and that was it to me there is an element of trust in the roles that they had established in one another's lives i've never watched the self-sacrifice of a young woman willingly making out with someone because she knows the only way that they're going to get home is if she can ask them for money i've never seen that happen and paired with her support system physically coming and holding her hand while she endures what is going to help the both of them while she carries the load. I've never seen that in, in that scene where, where Autumn holds Skylar's finger from around the pillar. It was just. Well, maybe they're their only like pillars of support in their whole lives. You know, like I was just thinking about how, um, the counselor offers her a place to stay Mm -hmm. and she says, no, I'm fine because she's not used to having adults take care of her. Mm -mm. Like it's her and her cousin against the world. So I wonder if that's just like their family dynamic and which, I mean, it kind of seems like it just between their like looks that they were doing at the beginning of the film too, with one another, you know, there were those looks of understanding were happening throughout the film. Mm -hmm. But I found that part really interesting of like, here's, a moment where you could get help and like comfort and safety. And Autumn said, no. And she obviously trusted that woman to a level, you know, she wanted her to come in with her exam, you know, like I trust that woman. I want her to come hold my hand. Yeah. Yeah. It was a pretty crushing film. Like it's not, it's just, it's crushing because of how it's showing reality. Yeah. It's both for me because so devastating but then again going back to autumn and skylar you're getting this amazing example of how women are there for women without having to know the details i don't necessarily believe that autumn is very forthcoming with skylar about what has happened and that doesn't matter none of that matters for that connection that that unconditional support to be there. And that is what we as women too understand. And we're so able to connect with that relationship. That's why it was so easy for me to connect with that relationship because I, I, we already know we're already there for each other in that way. That's my takeaway. This film is women supporting women and that we'll do it blindly You know, it doesn't matter if like, or I feel, you know, a lot of the time, if like you, if someone's in front of you in your experience where it's like, oh my God, you need help with like, whatever this is. I feel like women inherently like will help each other, you know, and we don't necessarily need to know the backstory or all the details. It doesn't matter. You know, we're just there to like be there for each other and I appreciate films that depict that more than the silly, like, tropey women against women kind of stuff we grew up with a lot of the time. Or, you know, I feel like even when you saw friendship stories, there was still some trope of that, like, 
coming in from the periphery of the storylines and I think it's falling away more and more in film and I love it. I love showing women supporting women because we understand one another. So like that makes sense, especially like pertaining to our health and our reproductive health and health in general and women listening to women about health. Like there's, I could do a whole other podcast about how, you know, all of our medical and emergency care is like based off of men. We don't have time for that. I think my takeaway is it's important to find the things that we haven't seen yet and give them a, a platform to be seen. I've never, I've never watched a 17-year-old girl pregnant punching her own stomach. I've never seen that before. And it might be out there, but I haven't seen it. And I feel like I needed to, th- I needed to see that as a reminder of the lengths that that we will go to to survive, that we will go to to try and make it when the world is failing us. So yeah, I think for me it's it's the appreciation of seeing new things, seeing real things that exist that are incredibly relatable whether I've personally experienced them or not. I want more of that. I really hope that men watch this film and they probably won't. You know, I'm so grateful that this film exists because like you just said, Rochelle, there's so much that we still haven't seen that we all kind of understand goes on, but we haven't explicitly stared at the truth of what those events look like and what they mean. And so as someone who hasn't had that particular experience, I'm humbled to see it and so grateful And I just hope that other people, particularly men who don't necessarily know this giant suitcase women are lugging around, what that actually looks like. And that's probably not going to happen. I think it will over like a century or two. Will it? But I mean, I think now more realism is coming to light. More women are making film. It's a long road ahead and we have a lot of stories to cover, but like it's happening. It's at least more accessible now, you know, like even through the pandemic, accessing this film through HBO Max. Um, So I am hopeful on top of your hoping wish, Stacey, I guess I'll just come in and be an optimist. Good. (laughs) You know, it might not be like the quickest transition, but it does feel like there is some shift happening. I think Black Lives Matter impacted that too, of just like, white people drop the microphone and and look at perspectives that aren't your own and be open to that and yeah I hope people are open enough to sitting down and watching films that aren't just like made for like fun entertainment because there's so much to be taught through film you know I think that could be another thing film is like slowly transitioning into is more of a tool to teach empathy But yeah, I hope more people are willing to sit down in front of stories that are hard to digest, but necessary to see. I hope so, because this is 50% about a man. The pamphlet that said the responsibility of the father or something like that, I laughed right out loud. Oh my God. I don't think I should, but I did. Well, you're because our society's expectation too is like, oh, well, if someone got a teen, a teenage boy gets a teenage girl pregnant, like it makes sense he wouldn't stick around. You know, it's like almost that mentality has been drilled into us, which is absurd and almost laughable. 
at this point in human evolution but like it's true I mean, this film is about men <laughs> men's effect on female bodies and then their absence of like having to be responsible or deal with any of it it's also about the ways we buy into biological truths moral truths i've had my own road to understanding what author rebecca todd peters calls reproductive justice. I highly recommend the book Trust Women, a progressive Christian argument for reproductive justice for any individual who just wants to learn more that they're maybe they're a faith-based person or a person who's very much pro-life. If, if you go by those terms, I just really recommend that book because it really helped showcase the historical truth of medicine in this country and the disenfranchisement of women of color. Uh, and we didn't even go there. This is a very white film. Uh, but that that's a great place to start for anyone who is trying to begin the journey. This is maybe a jumping off point, you know, because we all have our own road to reconciling our hearts and our minds for how to love and care for ourselves and for those that are dissimilar from us. So I just, I, I encourage those of you who enjoyed this film to seek out more, to seek out more film, look for Our Bodies, Our Doctors. It's a great documentary. You will see so many parallels between these two films, even, even though it is a documentary. Uh, and just encourage you to keep moving your speed, though I would love to hasten you, uh, but keep moving toward greater understanding and greater empathy for for women's healthcare and and for all of the women that are having to make this journey just to survive all across our country, let alone the world. You probably know one. You must. You definitely do. This has been a Quarantine Style Talking to Crows production. <laughs>